Um, it is good to be up here. It's been about a year and a half since I've shared, not by anybody's fault but mine. I've taken a little bit of a break, and it's been a good break. I've had to take a break because of a lot of things going on in our lives, and, uh, but it is good to be back up here. Uh, let me take a little poll here, a hand clap. Uh, I'm going to take a poll. We, you know, I, I didn't necessarily pick this day. I told them I had a sermon on, uh, about relationships. Now, Margie and I, we do uh, mostly counseling now. We do a lot of pre-marriage counseling. We do marriage counseling. We do, we do counseling with singles. We do counseling with parents. Uh, I've done a lot of counseling with children, so we, I'll do some counseling with children. It's all about relationships for us. It's not we wait till there's problems with marriages. We like to just talk to couples about communication. We like to talk to singles about communications. We like it especially before they get in relationships, you know, to help them learn how to communicate. So don't think you have to have a problem before you come and talk to us. We love to just help people. So uh, just keep that in mind down the road. Um, so I got this. I've been having this thing of uh, in my heart for a while about just loving relationships, and I'll get to tell you a little bit why in a little bit. But first of all, I just want to take a little poll by hand clap. How many of you, by hand clap, like Valentine's Day? How many of you like? Okay. How many of you don't like Valentine's Day? Yeah. That's kind of what I thought. More, more, more ladies were clapping on the first one. <laughs> I, I just want you to know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want you men to realize that. <laughs> just get, get, get that in your head, okay? And, and, and ladies, we'd like it a lot more if you put little notes around the house about what you like. <laughs> it would help us a lot, you know? Uh, it's kind of torment sometimes when we're trying to figure out exactly what to get, you know. It, 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 and we, we miss it a lot of times. And it took me years to figure out my daughter liked white chocolate instead of dark chocolate. I think. <laughs> years. And she didn't like pink. Yeah, <laughs> I kept getting her pink stuff all the time. And finally figured out she does not like pink. All those pink teddy bears. <laughs> Just didn't figure out. Yeah, it, it does. It, sometimes it is, is uh, uh, it can be a hard, it's a, I call it a Hallmark holiday. <laughs> it's, Hallmark loves it with all those cards that they sell that day. But it can be a good time. Singles hate it usually. A lot of singles hate it. it just, it's hard for them, especially if they don't have a, 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 a you know, yeah, you're shaking your heads over there. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't have a special someone, you really, it's a hard, hard holiday. I just, I always encourage singles to go get a bunch of them together and go out and, and uh, do something together. Yeah, find some way to do something together. Shoot, go to McDonald's and go to the movie together. I don't know, but just don't sit at home and don't get depressed, you know. Uh, so, anyway, Valentine's Day can be one of those good things and bad things. I, sometimes, uh, you know, 
I see a lot of guys on, you know, the night before at Kroger's or Walmart or somewhere trying to pick out a car. Yeah, and, uh, but, but it, can be, it can be a frustrating time for some people. But uh, guys, remember, there were more ladies clapping on that first one. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of, you know, we, uh, is John Spraker here? You know, John and I taught a class uh, on Margie uh, on keeping your love on. Have you ever heard of that book? Yeah. Has anybody not heard of the book, Keeping Your Love On by Danny Silk? Anybody not heard of it? Huh? Not heard of it? Let me see the hands of the ones that hadn't heard of it. Okay. Rich family, y'all need to get it. Who else hadn't heard of it? Okay. I, I'm going back road there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always the front row gets stuff, you know? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Corp. Um, that's only two copies I had left, sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't preach as good as Rick, so I have to give things away. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Uh, that's a, Keeping Your Love On is a great book by uh, Danny Silk. And it really teaches you a lot about about how to keep your love on on a daily basis, not just you know special times like Valentine's Day or whatever. It, it's an ongoing thing we have to work at on a daily thing, not just in relationships like marriage or dating, but just as believers on a, on a relationship daily, daily relationships with other believers or even. You know, out in this world, that's where it gets real tough. You know, it's easier to do it in church. You know, we can put our church face on a lot of times, and we and we can uh, come in and we can be really loving. But I tell you what, this morning, with that worship and how the Spirit moved, there was everything authentic with that. When we start moving, praying for one another. You felt the love of God fall, and there was nothing but pure love praying for one another. And I love that. Don't you love that when that happens? You just feel people, just circling people and loving people. Um, you know, love and relationships go hand in hand. You know, um, in the first slide, First John four sixteen, we have come to know. And have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. I'm going to stop right there. God is what? Okay, everybody. God is what? Okay. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God is love. He is pure love. He is agape. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on what gifting you have. When he died on that cross, he died for everyone, including the ones that were crucifying him. 
as he looked down, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I want you to get that in your head. You know, in counseling, in relationships, or in tough times, it, you know, counseling people who have had people harm them in a lot of ways, I've tried to take them to the cross. Because that's the, that's the best way. If I can take them to the cross, and I can take them where all those sins were paid for by Christ, and I could take them where he was on that cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if I can give them the grasp hold of that, that if he can, he can be up on that cross, the man without sin, and look down and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We can get to that place. And it's, sometimes it's very hard because of the injuries people have had in their life. But we can walk through that, and we can get people to that. And I'm telling you, through counseling, it takes a long time sometimes. I love what they do with these guys over here in the program. I've talked to you guys. I know if you don't, if you don't know these guys and you don't know what they have to go through in some of their programs. I tell you, a bunch of them were in our keep, keep Your Love On class, and they talked about what they had to go through sometimes you know, and getting healing and uh, some of the meetings they have to go through where they have to bear their soul. And it's tough. I know it's tough on you guys, but they have to humble themselves to a point where just opening up with the stuff that, that is really real in their life that they're trying, like most of us try to hide, and they have to get it out. Marty and I, have one, of our, one of our main phrases in our counseling is what you don't talk out, you're going to act out. And I tell you, what, you think about your relationships. The things that you keep stuck down inside. And you're afraid to talk to your spouse. You're afraid to talk to your parents. You're afraid to talk to other people around you. Somebody's hurt you. And you won't talk it out with them. And you let it eat, your, eat inside you and eat your heart. Those are the things that you act out. Those are the times you won't come home. Those are the times you'll snap at people. And your, and your loved ones are asking, why are they snapping at me? They have no idea. They could be mad at somebody else. And you're catching it. Because they won't talk things out. They're letting the things just bind them up. Instead of letting God's love, because God is love, come in and take care of those issues. The things that are just eating them up inside. We're talking about letting the spirit, having spirit-led relationships. And somehow, we let the enemy convince us that the problems we have and the bitterness we have is too much for God. We really, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what can convince us. I've, I've done it. Uh, the first week I was a pastor in, in Florida, in 
the church, they asked me to go pray with a man who, was, who they'd been praying with this man for 30 years to be saved. 30 years. And I arrived there, and he was in the hospital, and he had been, he, his arteries were 90% uh, clogged. 90% clogged. And uh, 73 years old, they said, Pray wasn't going to survive the surgery. Uh, they said, Mark, would you go talk to him about salvation? Pray he's going to die. So I'm, I said, sure, I'll, I'll go talk. You know, first week here, I don't know the man. They said, he's tough, Mark. He's, he might curse you out when you go in there, but would you go talk to him? I said, okay, I'll go talk to him. You know, I was a jail chaplain. Ted, Ted how long have you been a jail chaplain now? 20 years. Well, he, I think he took over from me. when I, I was chaplain for about 10 years before him in Montgomery County Jail. So, and I was about six years before I went down to Florida. You know? So I've been cursed out a couple of times. <laughs> it kind of comes with the job. It kind of comes with the job. But, you know, so I said, well, I'll go talk to him. And uh, so I was getting the, in the L. Baron. They didn't want to come up. They, I don't know if they didn't want to hear him cuss up the new pastor, but anyway, I got in the elevator, and I was going up, and I heard him say, Lord say, don't ask him about salvation, pray for his healing, and so I started arguing with God, and said, God, he might die, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, and God said, I think I know that, <laughs> I'm serious, I'm having this discussion in the elevator, going up with God, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's silly, I mean, I'm hearing God speak inside my heart about this. So, okay, he convinced me. <laughs> it's like I finally realized, okay, listen to him, okay? So I got off off the elevator, and I walk in. This guy's like went by RJ. And I went in, uh, I introduced myself, and RJ, you know, he didn't look, he didn't turn his head to me. He just cut his eyes at me. <laughs> just like, what are you going to say to me? I could just tell. He just... And I said, RJ, introduced myself, I said, RJ, can I, I just came here, and, you know, a lot of people care about you. I want you to know I care about you. Can I pray for your healing? And I, I think it kind of shook him up. He was expecting me to give him this long thing about salvation. He said, yeah. <laughs> so I prayed for his healing, and I walked out, and then I had to go back and explain to his Door-in-law and son, why I didn't pray for it, didn't ask him about salvation. <laughs> so I went, I went down the car, and I saw him. I said, this is what I heard God say. And they, they understood. They were spirit-led, and they, they said, okay, we're going to trust. Next morning, I got there, and I, and I, I didn't get there before the, the operation. I got there about where it should have been, in the middle of the operation. I got there, and he was already out. Yeah, I said, wow. And I walked in. I said, RJ, what happened? And he says, I got in there and the arteries were clear. Yeah. Guess who wanted to be saved? <laughs> That's the easiest one I ever had. <laughs> now, RJ couldn't read, so I had this drawing a picture of the you know, the two cliffs and you on one side and God on the other and put the cross across, you know. <laughs> and, but, yeah, he wants to be saved. 
Hallelujah, God. You know, I said, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just like, you know, thank, then the congregation thought I was going to do that every time. I said, yeah, that's up to Jesus. That's not up to me. <laughs> you know, I just, I just so thank Jesus for that, you know. But there was disbelief in my heart. I argued with Jesus for a little while there, which was crazy. Believe in Jesus. God is love. God is love. Look what he did on the cross. Get that in your head. God is love. If we abide in him, if we abide in his love, if, if we just take on that love in our life and listen to him, things happen. Don't they, Joe Davidson? When you're out on those treasure hunts, and these other interns that are going out on these treasure hunts, and, there's, and you pray for somebody's healing, and look what starts happening. And you just want to see what God's doing. Now, so, so one of the things that really inspired me, the, this message was the Keeping Your Love On by Danny Silk. And just the whole thing, I guess, about Valentine's coming up. I guess that did click in me. But another one is this next passage from 2 Timothy 3. Now, this is kind of a negative passage, but I'll tell you why this one. This next slide, Isaiah. 2 Timothy 3, 3 through 5. It says this. Now, I'm not talking about anything that this is the very last days. Evidently, Paul was thinking that. He wrote this to Timothy almost 2,000 years ago. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Who are we supposed to love like? Who are we supposed to love like? For Jesus, like God. Okay? But in the last days, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men. Now, if that doesn't shake you up, it, it shakes me up. I, I, it's been shaking me up for about 40 years, ever since I really got a hold of this. I'm sitting there. That challenges me almost every day. We are, we are challenged with this almost every day in our society. To be lovers of ourselves. I mean, this me type of thing that we're challenged with all the time. You deserve this. You deserve that. Go buy this. Go buy that. That's certainly lovers of money. But lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How much do we get challenged with that? What is, I mean, it is just there for us. To be I'm not saying you can't enjoy something. Please, don't go. I'm just saying that's how the, the industries out here are just geared to you. Commercials are geared to you. 
everything's geared to you to be enjoy. I mean, be lovers of pleasure. Again, now please, I am not trying to make everybody monks just go out here somewhere and live without enjoying things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying enjoy things, but the whole. But when your life is geared, that is what it's geared toward. That is dangerous. My one son, Daniel, was, uh, was taught English as a second language in Japan. And when he was over there, he said, Dad, they have a real problem over here. He said, a lot of Japanese young men, especially when they're in their 30s, are down in their, down in their parents' basements playing video games. Not going out and getting go- jobs. That's all they do. They can't get out of the basements. I said, you kidding me? He said, and he was about 21, 22 at the time. He, he stopped playing video games for a long time. <laughs> and, and he started working real hard. He got a really nice job <laughs> later on. He just... You know, he just took a trip around the world, you know, with money he saved up to do it. Because he said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to enjoy life. Go to the next screen here for a little bit. This is one of my favorite cartoons. Somebody's up <laughs> meeting, meeting Sam Peter. He says, actually, you had a pretty great life, but you were looking down at your phone and missed it. Thought y'all like that. Yeah, yeah. That could be me sometimes. I was, <laughs> I mean, have, you, have you seen that one cartoon where they got about 20 people with their phone like this and just walking like zombies? <laughs> you know, it's just, it is technology is, yeah, it could, there has been, there has, there has been really warnings in the, uh, in, in the, technology world that uh, AI artificial intelligence could really take could really take over our life period it's really a, in a it's really a danger down the road because computers and everything's getting so smart I'm not trying to scare people I'm just saying the advances now one of our sons is this he lives in Switzerland right now and he just moved over there in uh, Christmas Day, and uh, he's working on something called the Blue Brain Project. Yeah, and they're mapping a mouse's brain in the color blue, so that when they do tests on them, they can see where the medicines go to it, and any test they do affects the brain. And next, they're going to do it to a human's brain. So they know what part of the brain gets affected. That's pretty cool that they're doing that. Unfortunately, he took my three grandkids with him when he moved over there. <laughs> but he warns me all the time. We sit and talk about technology all the time. He says, Dad, they're trying to get nanites that you can inhale so that you can breathe underwater. I said, you're joking. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, it's amazing what technology they're looking at now. And, um, you know, he just went to a conference in Brussels with 8,000 nerds. 
<laughs> he, would, he would admit it. But anyway, <laughs> and they were open source conference. They were just talking about all kinds of technology that they're coming out with. And I just shake my head. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm just saying this because we could be lovers of technology instead of lovers of God. It's a danger. It really is. Where we put our trust and where we put our life. Because, you see, God is a God of love. You can't love a machine. Well, I guess you can in a, a, a flesh way. But I can't love a human being from in front of a machine all day. And if I'm not interacting with others, if I'm not if, if I'm not caring for one another, if I'm not seeing how someone else is doing and caring for what their needs are, I can't do it. Yeah, eye contact. Margie's Mar 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 reminding me. Oh, thank you, Margie. I, I used to brag that I was a multitasker. And I could sit there and I could have the TV on I could be on my computer typing something, and I could have my phone in case something beeps, and I can check it. And Marty, <laughs> Marty would talk to me, and she could, I could repeat everything she said. And she said, finally, she said, that's enough. She says, when I talk to you, I want your eyes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I shut down the computer, turned the phone all over, and cut off the TV. I said, she needed to know whether I, could, whether I could repeat everything she said and even understand what she should, said. She needed to know that she, I understood her. She needed the eye contact. So that's a confession on my part. I mean, I'm preaching at me when I'm doing this stuff. Technology could take over my life real easy. Real easy. And uh, I have to be reminded every now and then. But that's where it really affected me at one time. And I had to come to grips with it. So my wife understood. I do listen to her. Even though I thought I was listening to her, she needed my eyes. I wanted all his attention, not just a part of it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and she got it because I love my wife. You know, I didn't want to do it just so I can. Say I did it. I love my wife, and she wanted my attention, and that's why I do it. Okay? That's why I do it. Scripture says I am to love my wife. It's not, you know, and I'm not doing it just because I'm obeying a command. I married her. <laughs> you know? I, have, I, I made a covenant before God. I'm falling through that. Yeah. One of the things we teach couples, you know, when we're, you know, one of the dangers today is when we're doing, doing couple therapy, we, couples will, will come in and we'll find that one of, the, one of the couples is trying to find fulfillment in their life through the other person. Do you hear what's wrong with that? 
I cannot find fulfillment in my life through my wife. Now, to some of you, that sounds, that might sound strange. If it does, then you need to listen to me. She can't find fulfillment in life through me. I can only find fulfillment in my life through God. Please get this, especially if you haven't gotten married yet. But if you're having some trouble in your marriage, this might be it. If you're finding fulfillment in your life through your spouse, they're a human being, and they're going to fail you. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. If I find fulfillment in my life through my God, and they're first in my life, then I'm going to see my wife through that perspective. And when things aren't going right, because sometimes things don't go right, my wife and I are totally different personalities, and it takes work. We've been married, we're going to be married 40 years this year. And it still takes work <laughs> because we're different personalities, you know. But if it, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for God, I could see all kinds of problems coming through. That's where the communication comes from. But if I was filtering that through my own desires to say, she's got to fulfill my needs, that's going to be big problems. Please, do you understand this? Please, those out here, please understand that. You seek God for fulfillment. I've talked to some people and say, where do you find your fulfillment? Well, I got to find fulfillment for myself and then my spouse. And I say, you got that wrong. Because you're going to let yourself down. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to happen. You start with God. You start with God in your life. You find fulfillment in God. And then you have a good relationship. That's the only way. I'm telling you, it's the only way. And if you're having problems with that, please come see us. Please. Come see one of the elders, whatever. Just... Start there. You know, if you start there, then you won't come to see us because you got it taken care of. I'm telling you, that's, that's where you start. It's a, <laughs> it'll cut down counseling in this church a whole lot. Start right there. Do you understand why? Because God is what? So therefore, if I'm starting with God as love, I'm going to first of all understand how much he loves me. Do you understand that? I'm going to first of all get a hold of how much he loves me. That way, if Marty says something that hurts me, because spouses seem to do that sometimes. Do I have any amens? Or all y'all don't have any problems like that? <laughs> you know? Or if I'm sitting in my sewing room and you don't know why yeah. and jump to conclusions. Yeah. If I think she's just trying to ignore me. Yeah, it's like, what's going on? Did I do something wrong? I can jump to conclusions. All of a sudden, what's going on? You know? But if, 
see, if I'm not seeking, if I'm not getting my value from God, I'm getting my value from her. I can get hurt real quick instead of trying to find out, hey, you know, just checking what's going on. Something going on. I just, I, I, want, I want healthy relationships. You want a healthy church? Get healthy relationships. You want a strong base to be able to reach out to other people? Get healthy relationships. And learn how to talk to one another. And it doesn't always happen, and everybody needs help sometimes. Telling you right now, if we humble ourselves and and just go to somebody when you're just struggling as a couple and you talk to somebody that can help you walk it out, no matter who you are, no matter who you are, you don't think you're above it, you'll get help. We need freedom to love. Now, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to, what time is it? Okay, I'll go quicker. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm trying to make up for a year and a half not preaching. Okay, yeah, give me a little extra time here. Okay. No, the, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 2. There's a spirit to me of latitude, which, I mean, there's different types of latitude, but this one's a spirit of freedom to love and not be focused on gifts, of, gifts that we might have. Spiritual gifts spirit, or spiritual knowledge or whatever. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, 2. There are so many verses on love in the New Testament. You go find them. I mean, I can list. I mean, I started I start going through. The, I had to really narrow them down. There are so many in the New Testament. Go, just get your, get your uh, concordances out, and you can go find lots. But 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go with verse 2 verses. If I, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love. I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Now, wait a minute. That's pretty harsh because we, especially us as charismatics, we like those things. You know, we like signs and wonders. Don't we? We like speaking in tongues. We pray for it all the time. We were praying for it back before. Lord, let miracles come. Let healing come. Come on. Let's get this stuff out here. We'll want it. But why do we want it? Is the question this is asking. It's not that we, we shouldn't want it, but why do we want it? Because these things, you know, what it says at the end there, it says, I mean, if you have the faith to remove mountains, but have not love, you're nothing. What that means is what you've done amounts to nothing. Doesn't mean you as a person are nothing. It means what you've done amounts to nothing. What do you mean? I can just move the mountain? Look what happened here, and it has no effect, basically. Get that in your head. If I give a prophetic word to somebody, but I don't do it in love, I do it for some other reason. I mean, Jared, would you love your prophetic words to have no effect? Wouldn't that seem terrible? But if, you, but if he gets up here and does it out of love, 
He's got love pouring out of his heart. He gives a word to somebody because he just, he's trying to hear God and wants to love on somebody even though he doesn't know it. It's going to have a powerful impact. And that goes for anybody else who's got prophetic words in them. It's the motivation that comes out of your heart. It's the things that come out of your heart. You know, you, you got knowledge up here. And that, I mean, we're not just talking about spiritual knowledge. It's knowledge of any kind because I, you know, I, uh, I, uh, during the fasting time, well, let me tell you why. First of all, I, I was reading George Barna is a, a guy that does polls. I don't know if you know him. Barna, Barna Group. And Marty and I belong to this group called American Association of Christian Counselors. And so they use these guys all the time because they give pulse of what's happening in the church. All the time. Now, do you, you know who millennials are? Okay. Millennials are people who are born from 1982 to 2002. Okay? If you're, if you're in that group, you're called a millennial. Millennials are leaving the church and not coming to church in droves. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. So they did a, they did a survey. Drink a they did a survey and they tried to figure out why. And the number one reason, try to guess. Anybody want to guess? Huh? Hypocrisy? Wasn't the one number one, but it was on the list. Anybody else? Huh? No relationships? No? Wasn't number one. Number one is politics. Number one is politics. Now that hit me pretty hard. Because I, I can get into politics pretty hard. Now, and I don't usually say stuff about politics because spiritually I need to give spiritual advice all the time. I don't want, I, I really don't like to get into it because I like to keep things on board. And, uh, and I start, and so I, during the fast last month, I fasted news. That was hard for me. It really was hard. Especially I didn't fast Facebook, so I had to keep scanning when somebody <laughs> threw something about news up there. Like, but what happened to me, I, I ended up having a lot of peace in my heart that hadn't happened before. And I started looking at things a little bit differently because I had a lot of friends on Facebook that kept un unfriending each other because they were on different sides of politics. And I started grieving and I, as I was preparing this, I, I reread this thing, and I said, this is for me. It may not be for you, but I have the gift of prophecy to know all mysteries and all knowledge and know my party's platform, but do not have love. I am nothing. In other words, I could be totally right politically, but I do it not out of love. I'm nothing. I have lost my voice to the millennials. I want you to hear that, please, because for me, it's true. 
And it's hard for some of us older people. We see some things going on, and it's hard. Now, I'm not talking about abortion. I'm sorry. What's gone on the last few weeks with abortion has grieved me. Okay? When you hear the governor of Virginia talk about a baby being born, they comfort the baby, and the parents talk about whether they keep the baby alive or not. I'm not talking about that. Okay? I'm sorry. That's not political. That's a life. Okay? I'm not talking about that. But I'm just talking about not to be able to sit down with a young person and listen to them, whether you agree with them or not, in a patient, loving way. If that's what's keeping them away from the church, we, something's wrong. If we know our political platform more we do the Beatitudes of Christ, something's wrong. I'm sorry. That's me. Okay? It might not be you. It might not be you, but I'm convicted that way. After my fast. I, that's, that's me. If that's what's number one. If that's what's number one. I got to take a look. Gosh, I probably lost half of you here. But I don't mean to. I really don't mean to. I just want to love people. That's just what my heart does. And when I find ways that I'm not loving people. I want, I want to be challenged on it. And you can challenge me later if you want to, but that's just where God has brought me to. Anyway, let's show the next slide. Joe, I think you're going to like this one, Joe. You like that one, Joe? Be like Jesus. Spend enough time with sinners to ruin your reputation with religious people. You can clap. Go ahead. Let me tell you something. It's just when you start putting, when you start judging and putting down sinners, you you just become one. Did you hear that? When you start gossiping and putting down sinners, you just become one. So, you know, sit down with them. Talk to them. I used to, Ted, you'd love this one. I used to bring people from a guy out of jail and I'd bring them to church. And, man, first thing people come up to me, what do they, what do, they do? <laughs> you know, what, what do they do, you know? What are you doing bring them in here? Kind of, basically, that's what they were telling me. They want to know what they were in for. I said, love them. Then find out. You know? I, I just, you know, love them. I, I, I just, the, the attitude that we have. Go ahead and do the next slide. I'm going to get us out of here. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 through 7. When we talk about the spirit of love with Christ, it's the spirit of attitude. Look at this. And if I give all my possessions to the poor, now that sounds like a good Christian thing to do, doesn't it? 
And if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. And it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Have you ever thought about why the early Christian church basically took over the Roman Holy, the Roman Empire without firing a shot. They loved people into the kingdom. They, they did. They, they put them to death by, in, the, in the Colosseum. I mean, if you read the stories about what they suffered, and they kept loving people and loving people. And loving people. They bared all things. They were kind. Even to the people that. Even to the people that arrested them. Yeah. I, it's just. It's amazing. When you read the stories of the martyrs. When you read the story of Paul. Being arrested and whipped and put down, a, put down in a dungeon. I forgot who was who was he with there. Uh, was it Silas? And he starts singing hymns. That's probably not the first thing we would think of. A lot of times, but they were they were. I kind of, I kind of messed up their jailers. I I just I think there's a lot of things, and you know that's pretty wild out there. Okay, maybe. We're not getting ready to, to get arrested here. But let's think about just coming home. And we're tired. And we've been working hard. And our kids are sitting there wanting our attention. Okay. I'll, I'll get down practically. Or our wife or our husband wants our attention. Do we have it in us to be kind? Patience. So many times with, with counseling children, parents with children, it's just trying to get them to see what's going on in a child's life. Seeing what's going on in a child's life. I bet you a lot of you guys, I know it was for me, like when you, a lot of you when you were children, you come home and nobody was there to talk to you. Talk about what you're going through in your life. And maybe the home was made it worse. I know a lot of times in my life when I was growing up, my dad worked two jobs. And a lot of times I didn't get that. I didn't get somebody to talk. That's, re that's probably the reason I became a counselor because I'd sit home and think about what I went through that day and the ridicule I had and some of the other things I went through and made me want to help other people. 
you know, one of the one of the things my grandkids are starting had to adjust to when they went to Switzerland is they still believe in corporal punishment, by the way, in their school systems. <laughs> yeah, like we used to when I was a child. <laughs> so first, my middle son, Eli, who's just the happiest little boy, and uh, he's real friendly, but he kind of got out of line the first day when they were walking, and the teacher gave him a little swat, you know, and that was really upsetting to him, but you know, everybody's, all the family's stressed, you know, going to a new system, and he was kind of upset, and I said, I had to tell him the story of his, they called me Giddu, uh, you know, grandfather, it's Giddu in Arabic, so they called me Giddu, of me in first day of school, and I probably would have gave Rick a run for his money when he was little, because <laughs> first day of school, uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I got, paddled but I got paddled by the principal and she <laughs> pulled me out of line I kind of I see I was really good at geometry because I I figured out that if you go in a straight line you'll get to the bus quicker than following this line around the that was going around <laughs> the wall <laughs> so I went for a straight line she grabbed me and she turned me over and she hit me with this paddle wow so I got to share with Eli he was real upset and he was kind of acting out at home and, and so I got to tell him, and I said it in a really funny way, so he could, he started laughing at how I got paddled the first day of school. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> if they started calling me Shay, probably one of my, Rick Shay, then probably one of my kids would have been called Shay too. Yeah, that's where Rick, how Rick's, Shay got his name. But, you know, I could see it in Eli's face. He needed to talk it out. And, you know, all the other kids, you know, there's so much going on in the home, it's hard for Eli to talk it out. And there are so many times I see in homes where, you know, the adults have so much, so many issues, they don't get to talk, the kids don't get to talk things out. I know it's hard a lot of times with our busy lives. Those kids need to talk things out. Love is kind, love is patient. And if the children don't learn that in their homes, it affects them as adults. Let's just go ahead and finish up it here. Love takes fortitude. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, we, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Look at the, the staying power there. You know, the fortitude to stick with things. When, when things get, you know, when the prophecy will cease or the love, love never fails. Just keep loving, no matter how hard things get. You know, when things get tough, you just got to stick in there. 
You know, the hard part, probably, Joe, I don't know if you get, get some of these when you're out witnessing and you get some excitement in there, but then when some of the people you follow up with, it gets tough sometimes. It gets tough sometimes. You know, and, and you got to just stick with it. Down my church in South Florida, I'm going to end up here, I'm sorry, it's so 12, but down my church in South Florida, we, we, we had a lot of gangs around the church. Yeah, it was it was a it was interesting. Churches, kind of intense, but I enjoyed it for the time I could stick in there for. Uh, it was it was tough. It wore me out. <laughs> it did wear me out. Uh, I, I will admit, I'm glad I was a jail chaplain before I went down there. I had some experience before I got down there, but there was a lot of gangs around the church, and uh, one of our uh, one of the girls in our church, she was going to have a and help me out here, Spanish people. Quince? Quince? Quince era. 15? When should they turn 15? Okay, good. I got to remember a little bit of Spanish here. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's, it's almost, it was a beautiful celebration. And they were practicing this dance in front of her home. And her brothers were out there. And there was a gang that was after one of her brothers, her older brother, who was about 17, 18. And um, anyway, I was home one night. I was planning the next morning. It was a Friday night, I remember, because the next morning I was going to have a church council meeting. And all of a sudden I got caught at 9 o'clock at night where a gang had come and attacked in the middle of her practice. Had attacked her brother, her younger brother, her, her mother didn't, her mother was an angel who had really ministered to a lot of people around. And her mother, but her brother, his brother, went and got a gun that was in the house that her mother did not know about. He got a twenty-two rifle, ran and took it out to her brother. His name was Eddie. And he grabbed the gun and he shot one of the gang members and paralyzed him. And so they called me up at 9 o'clock to come down. I was the only one they let inside the yellow tape to be with the boys. And I got, I got inside the yellow tape. It was a long night. And uh, they were, police were really going after the younger brother. And it was a hard night. Anyway, about a week later, I'm, I'm gonna go, they, had, they put Eddie in jail. And uh, they got him out on bail. And he comes in my office. You know, I was trying to work with, I was trying to keep Lupita was the girl's name because the gang wanted to come and rape her. I was trying to protect her in the school. I was going to the school. I was trying to protect her. I was trying to, all this. It was, it was intense down there. Anyway, so I went into school, and, and anyway, he, Eddie finally comes out and, and to, the, to the church, and he sat down across from me, and Eddie, I was going there to counsel him, and he just looked at me and he said, Pastor, the only thing I want to do is get on top of a roof, take a rifle, and shoot everybody. Well, I knew what that was. There was a demon there, and there was a demon of murder. I mean, I knew what it was. So I said, we're praying. And I cast that, <laughs> that demon murdered back to hell where it belonged. And all of a sudden, Eddie, he just, he just, I broke down. He didn't cry, but he just looked up and he said, Pastor, what did I do? I mean, he really, 
It just, he didn't know what he'd, he'd done because the demon had really just took, had taken over him. I mean, he was, and, you know, I, the compassion just came on me. I mean, at that point. And I just, like, I, I prayed with him. And we walked with Eddie for a while. Thankfully, because of his demeanor changing, instead of being this defiant, murderous young man, the judge saw his, his, where he was sorry. And so instead of sending him to jail for 15 years, he put him in a boot camp with one of the gang members for a year. He came out, and about four years later, we came back down to there, and I saw Eddie with his, with his son, and he was married, and he had a job, and I saw the love of Christ in him. You don't give up on people. Christ has never given up on you. Christ will never give up on you. Let's do the last slide. This is why I want everybody in here to hear before you get out of here. Not that. <laughs> although, although the, is it there? I'll just, I'll just have to say it then. Just a reminder, in case your mind is playing tricks on you, listen to me. Okay, there it is. And just in, in case your mind is playing tricks on you today, you matter. You're important. You're loved. And your presence on this earth makes a difference, whether you see it or not. There's somebody out here that needs to know the love of God. There might be